Genre. everyone, and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story, except when we don't. I'm Joe Dorowski, and this week we are playing Truth or Lie, Absurd Media Edition. And joining us for this game is returning guest Ben Phillips. Welcome back, Ben. Hi, good to be back. And producer Andrew will be participating in this game as well. Hello. So uh, for this game, we have each prepared a list of five pieces of media that when we read the summaries struck us as a little bit strange in some way. I, uh, can I say, I th- like, I thought the, the mandate for this was obscure, not necessarily absurd. Okay. And okay. So like oh, the, okay. the title I, might be a little funky and everything, sure. but it's like, you like, you know, these are kind of reasonable pieces of media within their context. I feel like. Okay. All right. Obscure, okay. obscure. I media went both. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is fair. The, the rules are uh, fluid in this. <laughs> so we each have five titles that the others uh, of us, and I'm guessing most listeners will have never heard of. And we found a real summary and we also prepared a fake summary. We're going to read off both. And then we're all going to guess which one is real, which one's fake. If people guess our fake summaries, we get a point. If we guess the real summary, we get a point for that. So at the end, we'll, we'll tally the points and uh, the cash prize goes to whoever has the most price uh, points. Um, <laughs> Andrew, how and, do you want and, us to select and the, ca- the cash prize being what? Uh, uh, zero dollars. Zero, zero dollars. <laughs> okay. Oh, I've oh, okay. never so, wanted so, zero dollars more in my life. Uh, uh, yes. All of the money that any of these might have accumulated since they entered the public domain. <laughs> yes. Um, Andrew, how would you like us to select the order for this game? Uh, I'm going to spin a hairbrush and then I'm allocating a, a section towards my left side for ben and towards my right side for joe and if it's pointing at me then i'll go first so scientific it's spinning it's spinning it's pointing towards joe all right so i'll be going first and then uh do a quick spin for who's gonna go second i i think we'll just put it to ben and then i'll go last okay all right here is my first bit of media Bo, 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 bo. In this manga series that was also adapted into an anime, the years 3000X and the Chrome Dome Empire Hates Anyone With Hair, roving tropes, uh, troops called Hair Hunters go from town to town and shave everyone's head. But standing against Tsar Baldibald IV is Bo, 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 a man who has mastered the art of fist of the nose hair that allows him to wield his long braided nose hairs uh, like prehensile whips in battle. With a group of misfits around him, Bo Bobo fights for the right to grow hair however you want. Or is Bo 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 a 1970s network TV show? You see, the 1970s were an odd time on network television. There was a fad of TV shows with monkeys and chimpanzees as co-stars, including BJ and the Bear, Me and the Chimp, and Lancelot Link, Secret Chimp. Trying to cash in on this craze was Bo 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 Bo. In this series, a hobo named Jojo and his pet bonobo named Mo wander small-town America, tr- solving mysteries every week. In the pilot episode, Jojo and Mo stop a group of treasure hunters who have taken a school hostage so that they can dig up the playground searching for the treasure promised in a map that one of them had found in a book at the library. With Jojo's quick thinking and Mo's unexpected dexterity, they're able to trap the treasure hunters in the janitor's closet. No more than this pilot ever made it to air. 
So, uh, <laughs> I believe we'll we'll have uh, Ben guess first this time about yeah. which one of those oh, sh- is a real piece of existing media. Sorry, I turned away from the mic. Let me say that again. That's okay. Um, uh, hold on, let me just give a fresh uh, edit. I, I was turning to start marking the score. Um, we're going to have Ben guess first on which one of these is a real piece of existing media. Okay, so obviously it should be both. Uh, but... I think that's going to go for without saying for most of these options that we hear today. <laughs> the one I really want it to be is definitely the Hair Hunters. So that's where I'm voting. I, right. I'm i going to agree with you and vote for the Hair Hunters. Okay, you both receive a point. It is yes. the manga about the Hair Hunters. Uh, however, a... the monkey themed TV shows I listed other than this one were all real. Uh, BJ and the Bear, Me and the Chimp, and Lancelot Link, Secret Chimp. Those are all 1970s TV shows <laughs> with, with monkey co-stars. Lancelot Link, comma, Secret Chimp? Like, colon, Lancelot colon Link. Secret it, oh, oh, sorry. So he is the Secret Chimp. Yes. Okay. Joseph, I've seen episodes of this show. Oh, <laughs> I, I should have been more wary of oh. manga and anime. And, and I, I'm sorry, but I think your pronunciation was off. <laughs> oh, it's entirely possible. I only saw it written out as bo 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 hyphen bo. It's bobo bo 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 bo. I think. Okay. All right. I think I'm trying to pull back from my memories of Toonami on Cartoon Network because this was on Toonami on Cartoon Network when I was watching shows like Rurouni Kenshin and Dragon Ball and Yu Yu Hakusho. This one never quite entered the mainstream consciousness of like a Dragon Ball Z in any way. Yeah, I uh, it might. I'm going to put this out there. It might be the title. <laughs> it is intimidating <laughs> to try and say. I will not lie. I practiced yeah. several times before we started recording. Like, OK, got to hit but this did you Did you pull up like old commercials for it so you could hear oh, a professional? I, I didn't. Ooh. I was just trying to see how many Bobos were before and after each hyphen. Because you could have heard that initially, like essentially uh, from movie trailer voice <laughs> as they're hyping it up. In a on, world on, where on hair is forbidden. Bo, 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 yeah, so, bo, 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 <laughs> fights. Well, I think that's the name of the whole story. That's not his name. Uh, I think his it, name, his name was. It said that, uh, bo, bo, at bo. least from the one summary that I read, it, it gave that as his name, but said he it, it, it referred to him after that first time just by the last four or three bows. Bo, bo, bo. Right. Bo, bo, bo. Bo, bo, bo. Okay. Uh, All right. But yeah, so, uh, so, so you each have it. A, it was uh, not one that I watched, but <laughs> <laughs> you each have a one point lead on me at this point. Okay, uh, Ben, what is your first piece of obscure uh, media? Okay, so again, unsure if obs- obscure or just absurd, um, but this is the 1972 classic movie Frogs. I'm sorry. Could you say that one more time? The 1972 classic movie, Frogs. Frogs. Okay, I I did hear it right. I was just double checking. (laughs) Okay. All right, here we go. Dr. Angus Tadpole, a molecular biologist and double amputee veteran from World War II, unearths a new gene found only in tree frogs that gives them the ability to regrow lost limbs. Desperate to regain the ability to walk, 
Tadpool injects the gene into his own body. Shortly, two new legs grow from this body, but they are green and slimy. Undeterred, Tadpool quickly administers his new drug to his fellow veterans before realizing that the gene is slowly turning him and his friends into terrifying frogmen. No red flags in his first test. Uh, this is this is um, one of those classic examples of of like nominative determinism. <laughs> yeah, it, it could yes. be. It could be. Yeah, yeah it, it, this could have been called squirrels, and it was totally different. All right, <laughs> but I, I'm also the doctor's name, it's tadpole, right? You know, yeah. It's it, oh, yes, that makes sense. How how could he study anything but frogs in some form? Yeah. Oh, they really gave. I mean, he really has a strange name. Okay. Uh, Jason Crockett is an aging, grumpy, physically disabled millionaire who invites his family to his island estate for his birthday celebration. Pickett Smith is a freelance photographer who is doing a pollution layout for an ecology magazine. Crockett hates nature, poisoning anything that crawls on his property. On the night of his birthday, the frogs and other members of nature begin to pay Crockett back. Ooh. Oh, got got very dark there at the end. Oh, oh my! So one of okay. these has been produced. I guess I'll, I'll I'll go first on this one. So it's whoever whoever's the next to read off their things should be answering first. Okay, sounds good. Uh, I I'm gonna go with nature's payback. Okay. All right, I'm gonna give us our first split. So someone's gonna get a point. Someone won't hear. Uh, I will take. The either either Ben or the producers of this film borrowed Lizard's origin from Spider-Man comic books uh, for this. And I don't know which way, which way it's going on that. So I will take the scientist who turns into a frog. When when did Lizard first appear in Spider-Man comics? Oh, he's a he's a pretty he's still in Stan Lee's writing. So it's in the 60s. I'm pretty. OK, so, yeah, that would have that would have predated this film. Let's see. OK, so so spoiler, one of you is right and one is wrong. <laughs> first appearance is 63 uh, very early in in spider-man lore oh wow still still Steve uh, Dicko, uh, as the artist there andrew you are correct i was stealing from lizard's origin oh <laughs> so ben gets a point from me yes andrew gets a point. so that makes it two to two to zero guys Don't can i tell me. you something I'm really really wild you've seen frogs yeah. i have not seen frogs but i had seen a trailer for that movie. Oh my god! Because several weeks ago, I was trying to figure out, and Joseph, I think you might remember, we had this on on like a recorded VHS. But I don't know why, but I needed to like dive through this rabbit hole and try and figure it out. I was trying to figure out the name of a movie that was inspired by the Frog Prince, in which a frog sings "That's a More" uh, with around oh. like high school students, and I was trying to yeah, look. I do up, remember like, this frog, this nineteen eighty TV movie or something Frog Prince movie thing and i came across frogs i was like is this it no this is not it. i think the actual movie is called prince or something but um but i was trying to like find this weird 80s movie about a frog and and so i okay. came across frogs and now it's really nice. paid off yeah so oh now you're two for two on familiarity with our absurd like, or actually media. actually knowing enough to be like that is correct and now it's uh, right. Ben and I are tied at two. Joseph has zero. Uh, I think that's what we in the biz call an insurmountable lead. <laughs> uh, this is where I want to be. It's Let's gonna just make call it now. all the more impressive. 
you know, we can we can give the listeners another, you know, 45 minutes of their life back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andrew, Andrew, what is your your first uh, obscure media? OK, I am going to tell you about Speed Gibson of the International Secret Police. <laughs> Go on. Go on. When the International Secret Police need a job done right, they call their top agent. When he's not available, they call Speed Gibson. Ever the runner-up, Speed Gibson is sure to save the day, but he sure makes a mess of it. Tune in each week to see how he narrowly pulls a victory out of the sinister plots that surely could have been thwarted with less collateral damage. Or, or is this the, the description of Speed Gibson of the International Secret Police? The Adventures of Speed Gibson, a 15-year-old pilot who joined the International Secret Police through the influence of his uncle. As a typical American boy, Speed is interested in the things you would expect. Shortwave radio, aviation, and most of all, the International Secret Police. Hmm. Well, I, I think in either, either case, way, he's, he's part of the International yeah. Secret Police here. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean... It's, it's either the 15-year-old right? boy or the... Uh, the second best the agent. The second guy, yeah. Or could it be both? All right. Maybe this um, is a the second best agent is show. a 15 year old yeah. boy. <laughs> Maybe this is a description of the same show. <laughs> All right. I, I will go with the uh, the 15 year old boy. This this to me has the the, the markings of like a uh, an early 2000s Nickelodeon show that I never watched. It does, and that is why I feel it's not that because I feel it. I feel it's very well polished in that description so i'm gonna go with the first one okay the the second best agent yes okay the correct answer is the 15 year old pilot so joe gets a point and then i get a point for uh for making up the second best agent this was (laughs) a radio show in like the 50s i'm surprised you didn't think johnny quest joseph Yes, yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, it also had a speed ra- racer vibe, also. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but but it, knowing that it's in the 50s makes a lot more sense that he's interested in shortwave radio. Yes, definitely. Uh, and um, this one was a radio show that was notable, as I looked it up, due to the fact that uh, the episodes are all still intact. Oh, you can go listen to the entire run. Like 175 episodes. All right. All right, Andrew, uh, just uh, after round one of five, the the points stand at I have one point, Ben has two points, and Andrew, you have three points. You have the lead. Yes. Um, Now, you had the advantage, unbeknownst to us, that you already were familiar with the text that we had chosen. So I'm just going to read the title of this one, and I want you to tell me if you have already read this. (laughs) All right. (laughs) The first blast of the trumpet against the monstrous regiment of women. No, I don't think I know okay. this one. All right. All right. You're not going to ask me. I mean, then yeah. <laughs> it, it should be fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I happened to write my dissertation on whatever it was you just said. So <laughs> the first blast of the trumpet against the monstrous yep, regiment. Yep, I remember it. Well, mm-hmm. all right. Is but this you know what, book... Joseph, you go ahead and provide a description. <laughs> right. Right. 
Uh, is this a book written by Axel Riker, whose real name is Colin Boyd, a self-proclaimed manfluencer who gained prominence <laughs> after appearing on Andrew Tate's podcast before Andrew Tate, whose real name is Emery Tate, was arrested for human trafficking? On the podcast episode, uh, Axel Riker proclaimed that the war on men was the cause of COVID. After Andrew Tate uh, was arrested, Axel Riker uh tried to latch onto his his fan base and he sells his book at his alpha bull conventions where men's rights activists hold seminars teaching men how to boost their testosterone assert their dominance and woo women in this book axel Riker explains that the rise of feminism has coincided with the shortening of the male lifespan and that women are literally leeching men's life force or is the first blast of the trumpet against the monstrous regiment of women a book written in 1558 by John Knox, a Scottish Protestant reformer who was appalled to see Queen Elizabeth of England and Mary, Queen of Scots, as heads of state. In this book, Knox decries the gynarchy he sees around him, though he can't decide if he's more offended by the women's Catholicism or the fact that they are not men. In uh, refutation of the common notion that it was a Christian's duty to follow their monarch, Knox argued that if the monarch was a woman, it was their Christian duty to overthrow her. All right, so in this one, I hope it's neither. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh my. Okay, so regardless, it is uncanny how well you wrote a description that is awful for one of these. (laughs) Joseph, Um, can can I ask real quick, what was the name of the masculinity convention? Uh, bull the something. Alpha Bull. Alpha Bull, yes. Al- alpha Bull. B U L L. Yeah. Alpha okay. hyphen B Bull. B U L L. Are you are you trying to sign up for one, Andrew? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just really curious because I like I I heard it. I was like affable. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. What what was that? That's why they didn't get a lot of people showing up. Not other reasons. <laughs> um. Okay. I am going to go with the saddest profession I can think of, and that is wannabe Andrew Tate, or whatever his name is. Manfluencer? Yes. (laughs) Axel Riker. Yes, I'm going with that one. Uh, I am going to vote for the other one, the 1500s. All right. It was... The Scottish Protestant reformer in the 1500s. I assume yes. he. I assume this guy wouldn't come up with such a cool title, but I didn't want to doubt him. I. <laughs> I'm okay. At some point, this is as close as I've gotten to this thing. At some point in the last few years, I read an article on on something, and it was a woman who went to an alpha male convention. I think it was just called AlphaCon. It, it was. And, I uh, I found that as I was trying to find the name. I'm like, I can't just do AlphaCon. I, I gotta tell you, I found that Joe, article. Like, I, I think me, you had shared that article originally. Part yeah. of me was like, wait a minute, is this just this person's actual book? And he just said it was this title, but this is still a book. <laughs> oh, that's. I thought about doing that kind of switcheroo. <laughs> So I had to uh, I had to make up the name Axel Riker instead of uh, you know Andrew Tate. Which, by the way, I, in doing this, I found out Andrew's real Tate real name is Emery, not Andrew. Uh, and so I said Axel Riker's real name was Colin Boyd. But I had a, a wave of other possible uh, manfluencer names that I considered. I had mm-hmm. uh, Zane Champ, uh, okay. Cannon Driver, Cash Phoenix, 
Ace Strider and Atlas Wild <laughs> are the other pen names that I considered. Uh, so, Joe, I will I will tell you, we played a one shot in D&D the other day where we were all bards in a boy band. And <laughs> I got to be I got to choose to be the quote unquote bad boy. Um, so the name I gave him was Chad with three D's. The problem Durst. <laughs> I well, feel that's like better than any ones I came up with here. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think you win. Oh, I All don't right, think any of us win on that one. <laughs> I just found I the name I, of that book, The First Blast of the Trumpet Against oh, the Monstrous Regiment of Women. I'm I, like, I, I, I'm doing this. I don't care what it is. Title. It's so it's a <laughs> great title. It's you an gotta, amazing. You got to give Knox that. It's a fantastic <laughs> title. I think yeah. Ben. I think at some point your uh, your bard should become an author, and it should be Chad D D Durst. Oh. With like the two middle initials. Oh, well, see, part of the problem with him is that I made him an actual bad boy where he's just kind of a jerk to everyone. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Uh, all right. Ben's so turn. That, uh, yeah. Ben and I are now tied <clears throat> with two points each. Uh, okay. And Andrew's pulling away a little bit. Okay. So here's the first one I wrote. There's a chance that, that you guys know this one. So it's, it's fair to both of you. All right. Do we need to declare that we do or don't? Um, no, because it's just, I'm just going to give you the name of the episode. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. The episode title is Noses from 1981. Today at the department store, everyone is doing something with their noses. Jody smells sweet flowers. Muffy's is all stuffed up while she has a cold. Sam learns a thing or two about sneezing from TXL, and Jeff is worried that his nose would fall off. With Sam telling him that a nose is attached to your body, along with a fact or two about an elephant's trunk, everybody is glad to have one thing, and that's a nose. Or, mm. today at the department store, <laughs> Jeff learns about noses and smells from flower seller Jody. After Sam remarks on how beautiful Jody's flower display smells, Trying not to feel left out, Jeff embarks on an adventure through the department store to investigate different scents. After smelling perfumes, fresh-baked bread, and a bathroom in need of cleaning, Jeff learns that smells can be both good and bad. These both sound like an episode of Sesame Street. Oh, close. Very close. Oh, man. And, and, and you've gone for, like, a pretty raw duplication. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know this was this was very evil of me. Oh man, it it is harsh. I'm gonna go with the first one, okay. where it's more learning about noses than learning about smells. Okay, I'm gonna go with the second. I I, I thought the uh, the the good smells and bad smells that felt like a lesson from a 1980s children's uh, children's show. If only we could all be correct, but it is Andrew again. Oh my goodness! Yes, that's a point for you, Ben. Yes. So, so this yeah, is, Ben gets a point. Yes. So yeah. this is uh, I don't know if you guys remember the show. It was a Canadian show that aired on Nickelodeon in the eighties. It was called Today's Special, where Jeff was a mannequin that came to life at a department store. I oh, you've just triggered no. a memory I didn't know I possessed. Uh -huh. exactly. I don't think I know this. <laughs> I, I don't think this. I know this. I I can't remember if I love this show, was freaked out by this show, or just vaguely remember it. But I was like, I, I it is find, a very I big find, memory. I want to find a summary of one of these episodes, and it it did not disappoint me. <laughs> oh wow! Oh man, I don't know. 
that would be like also when Nickelodeon was showing the Canadian show, like you can't do that on television, like mm-hmm. that era, well, right? And I, yeah, and like Elephant Show and Fred Penner's Place, mm-hmm. mm. David the Gnome, all that good stuff. All right, all uh, right. So currently, it's uh, two to three to to five. Andrew is definitely running away mm-hmm. with this game that he was expressing concern about right before we started recording. <laughs> I was mostly concerned about my uh, contributions, not my consumptions. Yeah, not not his strange uh, <laughs> my viewing of all of them somehow. <laughs> yes, somehow yeah. I've got a deep connection to each one. Um, okay, ceiling unlimited. Can you spell ceiling for me? Nope. Just kidding. C e i l i n g. Ceiling unlimited. It, it would have been essentially evident with both of these. Okay. Is it? A comic book series from the 1970s centered around secret World War II operations in space of American soldiers fighting Nazis. Or an Orson Welles radio program meant to dramatize and glorify the role of aviation in World War II. Oh, my goodness. See, I can hear Orson Welles saying the words, (laughs) ceiling unlimited, and also just waxing poetic about aviation. I can uh, also hear the word ceiling unlimited and think that it's some kind of company where you buy ceiling tiles from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just the ones that also, you only ever see at school. Orson Welles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, he would have done a commercial for them when he oh, was, absolutely. you know, trying to finance his next film. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which he took the title from that <laughs> business. Um, all right. Well, I know Andrew was Googling radio shows uh, because of his first pick. <laughs> So I'm going to go with the Orson Welles radio show. But he also might have primed to... himself to uh, to think of that uh, instead of going mm-hmm. to the well twice. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to stick with it, though. I'm going to do the radio show. Well, then just for funsies, I'm going to go the other way. <laughs> this worked out great for me. <laughs> One way or the other. Um, <laughs> yeah. I made up the I made up the comic book. It is, in Not fact, it. an Orson Welles radio program uh, that was underwritten by Lockheed Vega and had segments written by Arthur Miller and John Steinbeck during its run. Wow. Oh, wow. Wow. I mean, everyone needs a paycheck. <laughs> um, don't did not wow, expect that, that, is, that gathering of talent there. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, I guess they're all around each other at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. When you get to the 20th century, it's like, really? F. Scott Fitzgerald wrote that that Golden Age Hollywood film. Okay. (laughs) Is there going to be an equivalent? Really? Mark Twain wrote that episode of Golden Girls. It's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But is there going to be, you know, some sort of equivalent in the distant future where somebody is like, oh, you know, uh, this person had a song on, on this movie soundtrack. They're like, Rihanna was around at the same time as as the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, yeah, it just right. like feels so dis disparate to them. Yeah. Or it'll well, be like re, it'll be like Rihanna and like Rod Stewart. <laughs> oh. uh, you know, Selena Gomez man. was in a show with uh with Martin Short and Steve Martin. <laughs> that's, oh, that's a good one. That's a good yeah, example. That, that is a good one. Uh Ben, the race for second is really tightened up. Uh, oh, yeah, three, three to three to six. I I am sacrificing the ability to win just to make it still uh, fun for second. 
yeah. There's a long way to Andrew. go, everybody. There's, there's like 45 <laughs> points to be had in this game total. Uh, Andrew, the the next, uh, let's see. Let me just, okay. I, it is a film. Uh, my, my next one. Have you ever seen the film, The Trail of the Octopus? No. Okay. No. <laughs> All right. The Trail of the Octopus is this. At least not that I know of. Okay. Is this know. a 1919 film serial? where Ruth's father, Dr. Stanhope, tells her that they are both in danger. Years ago, as an Egyptologist, Stanhope discovered the Tomb of Death and took the sacred talisman of Set, more commonly referred to as the Devil's Trademark. Knowing that a group called the Sacred Twelve is hunting for the Devil's Trademark, Dr. Stanhope has hidden it in a vault that can only be opened with a combination of nine oriental daggers. Stanhope has kept one dagger and given the other eight to fellow scientists one of whom has just been murdered. Fortunately, Ruth is dating master criminologist Carter Holmes. She goes to get him to come talk with her dad, but when they return, Dr. Stanhope is dead. Now Ruth and Carter Holmes, master criminologist, must track down the other scientists and get to those daggers before the Sacred Twelve, led by Monsieur X, can get to them. Or is The Trail of the Octopus a lost Georges Méliès film? While the film itself is lost, enough stills and descriptions from 1903 exist to let us know what this film was about. Uh, after the success of his special effects extravaganza A Trip to the Moon in 1902, Méliès made a film about a journey to Atlantis. A man in an old-timey deep-sea diving uh, gear setup is walking along the bottom of the ocean. When he sees an octopus, he follows it to a, an undersea cave. Uh, and when he enters this cave, he's swept into a whirlpool. He awakens in an undersea city where he no longer needs his breathing apparatus. The population of the city puts on a show for him, including a dance with seahorses and starfish. There's a brief love story with the princess of Atlantis, but then an earthquake shakes the city and coral falls on the explorer. He wakes up as he is being brought to the surface in his diving suit and is told that he became unconscious underwater and had to be rescued. Which of these is the trail of the octopus? Hmm. Okay. I'm gonna. Either way, you've 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 put some nice old timey tropes and words in both. So <laughs> kudos. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um. I'm gonna go with Doctor Stanhope. Okay. The the was that the Egyptologist yeah. with the Oriental daggers. Yes. Okay. I am going with your ex. I'm going with uh, Georges Melier. All right. Ben, you and I have closed the gap because we each just got a point. Yes. It almost threw me because part of me was like, would Hollywood at that time make a movie where a woman was an expert? Well, she was the daughter of the expert. <laughs> it's the real issue. Oh, <laughs> it's true. See, I misheard that. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. Her, her, her father, father and her and her significant other. Yeah, her father yeah, someone, is, a, is an Egyptologist, a doctor Egyptologist, and her significant other is master criminologist Carter Holmes. This was a multi-part serial that is now preserved in the Library of Congress, I believe I saw. Joseph, <laughs> can I tell yeah. you, there were so many little things that I was like, I think I can see where Joseph's put it, pulling this together from. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> that's what I thought. Because I was, like, because I'm pretty sure several weeks ago we recorded about George of the Jungle, and I think the like the female lead was Ursula Stanhope, which is both Stanhope <laughs> and an octopus themed <laughs> comment. When you said Egyptology and Carter Holmes, 
all I could think of was was Carter Hall, yeah. Hawkman, mm-hmm. who is associated with Egypt. Well, I, and... I loved that this one was called The Trail of the Octopus. Just the absurdity of it in that it's about an Egyptologist taking the devil's trademark. So no octopus themed things yet. But he also has used nine daggers. <laughs> like, why nine if it's an octopus? <laughs> the Trail of the Octopus. <laughs> and it, the, the enemy group isn't some like Hydra themed thing like Marvel. It is just the, uh, oh, and the then, Sacred Twelve. <laughs> and then I was thinking of, of Monsieur Mala, the, the Doom Patrol villain. <laughs> but yeah so there's this weird uh fascination with egyptology and orientalism that's in here and also a little bit of uh you know (laughs) anti-france prejudice with monsieur x as the bad guy that's it's quite the soup of 1919 uh culture like i could so clearly see the threads coming like it's like i was reading the the strings on the corkboard of your brain as you you were it wasn't even somebody else came up with it a hundred yeah yeah this is over 100 oh, years ago that this was made what a weird like so false good. association i generated oh my goodness oh man <clears throat> all right uh ben what is your uh okay. your third option okay this one again you might have seen this one is called the episode is called the new boss it's from 1999 After Chip and Sarah's former boss is arrested, they hold an impromptu election to see who gets to be the new temporary leader of the cult. Chip and his girlfriend Elaine alter the votes, and Chip is declared the winner. However, Sarah's reveal that she worries nobody at the cult likes her leads Chip to come clean, drink some poisoned Kool-Aid, and Sarah becomes the new boss. Or... After, mis- after Mr. Curtis tries to kill Norm in a shooting spree, Denby has made his replacement, taking the position Laurie hoped to get and make positive changes. Denby reduces Norm's workload to nothing, but Norm burns that deal by getting Denby to lighten up on Laurie. What in the world? <laughs> um, oh my. Oh, man. I have so much more to latch on to about the first one because it's clearly a sitcom about being in a cult. <laughs> but do you remember a 1999 would they sitcom have been doing in that in 1999? There, there were only so many sitcoms that could have been on the air in 1999. There were like strict limitations nowadays, cult sitcom. Absolutely. But in 1999, but the other one, like, was there a shooting spree? Yes. Yeah, the phrase "going postal" oh, was around in the uh, in the cultural. Yeah, uh, from Royal uh, Oak, right by uh, Metro Detroit. I'm gonna go with the one that had uh, an unclear setting. Is that the so, first or second one? That's the, the, the second one. Okay, because I was it did gonna not pick the have... second one cult dynamics or yeah. or anything so i'm gonna hold my my original pick even though i'm tempted to just go opposite of andrew to hope to close the gap but you're I'm stick gonna, with I'm gonna hold with him and and take the second one you are both correct oh. so this was from the norm show starring norm mcdonald laurie metcalf 
I, Do you remember? This was a Fox sitcom, <laughs> right? I don't know this. Was it it yeah. was. was it a... But that, that is the reason that I invented a cult sitcom, which, by the way, no one steal that idea. Uh, <laughs> the reason I came up with it is because this one starts with the guy going on a shooting spree. It's like, well, then mine has to be equally dark. Well, yes. Yeah, I've, I've got a couple where I was uh, like, I've got to try and match tone here. <laughs> I could, right. Well done. Well done. I could see like the cult sitcom going like going over pretty well actually yeah I think in so. modern in modern media although it would be very kimmy schmidt yes that's true mm-hmm. so i guess we've already gotten into some of that territory yeah. all right uh andrew i believe it is your turn to read your third selection it is my turn all right this is for stein's gate that is stein's no space, semicolon, no space, gate. Steins and there's gate. no apostrophe, no, no apostrophe in this. So Steins gate. Steins gate with a semicolon in between <laughs> what would otherwise be two words and no spaces. Sure that, or, or a typo that has stood the test of time. <laughs> I've had some typos that made it through so many revisions and editing that, oh, yeah. yeah, I believe it. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's... Yo, I had a typo on the first page of my master's thesis. Oh, oh I, man. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it, I, I get it. Typos happen. <laughs> All right. A university student and his lab mates work on a microwave device that can transfer messages to the past. Without getting captured, they must get it working in order to stop an evil organization. Or... Okay. When a teenage genius develops instantaneous teleportation to any destination in the universe, he and his stepdad become lost light years away from Earth. Will they be able to survive various hostile planets long enough to make it home? Okay, uh, so a little bit of sliders, but outer spacey mm-hmm. feel on the second. I would line. watch both uh, of these shows, by the way. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, I guarantee uh, one of them you could watch okay. <laughs> tonight. <gasps> Go on. Which one, Andrew? <laughs> What's well, called Steins the... Gate? Oh, and, okay. okay. Uh, the gate. I mean, it's so Stargatey. What? Oh, okay. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go against my gut and take the first one. <laughs> okay, this is dangerous because I also was leaning that way, but now I'm afraid we'll give Andrew two points. We both yeah. pick it, and it's not. It's, it's, it's a dicey territory. This is, oh, the man, strategy this, comes in. Yeah, this is this is game theory right now. Um, do you want to win, or do you want to risk me losing? How does it go? I don't. You know, uh, I'm going with the second one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the first one is real. It is an anime series. Based off a manga, and the second one I made up. So one Had for me it. and Had one for it. Joe. All right. I have the current point total after three full rounds. As uh, as do I. I'll check your work. All right. Andrew is in first. <laughs> I also have is it, what you but have? I made it up. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew, do you have eight points for yours? I do. Okay. And uh, I have six points. Mm-hmm. And Ben has four points. That all stacks up. All right. Okay. Round I, number I four. I had me with 12, but that's okay. <laughs> who can say oh. <laughs> uh, 
Um, I, uh, okay. Number four, uh, Emily is away. It's the title here. Emily is away. Yeah. Is that right, I'm uh, getting uh, conspiracy attachments already. Is, is <laughs> away a single word or Emily is a no way way <laughs> away. One word, not okay. okay. Emily. All right. So is this, um, a type of interaction or oh my goodness got to read my own writing here okay is this a type of interactive fiction called a visual novel which acts as both a text-based game and a sort of choose your own adventure storyline that uses an online uh the template of an online messenger system from the early 2000s in which uh, players slash readers send messages to a friend named emily who may or may not be there to respond right away uh, Emily is going through relationship drama. The story jumps through the years of high school and college. And depending on how players interact with Emily, they may or may not develop a romantic relationship with her. Or is Emily away a novel published in the 1940s, a fictional account set in the 1920s uh, about Grant Spiner, a down on his luck, formerly famous reporter who is haunted by the death of his wife, Emily. After turning to alcohol, Grant turns to spiritualists, hoping they can communicate with Emily. At first, they give vague information that could be from Emily, but anytime he seeks more specific information, the spiritualists inevitably respond, Emily is away. After this happens three times in a row, Spiner becomes obsessed with deducing spiritualist fraudulent methods and, and publishing an expose in his newspaper. He cleans up his life and declares war on the spiritualists. Like I said, I'm going conspiracy board, and this is a game that Joe played. <laughs> and this is how he met his wife. And I'm going <laughs> with the game. <laughs> <laughs> so in this in this version, my wife Emily does not exist. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've you brought her into existence somehow. <laughs> I will her into existence. <laughs> but if you My had wife, chosen differently, who, I would have never met had, her. Literally had probably <laughs> over a hundred meals with. <laughs> yes. In grad school. Yeah. Just think if you would have played the game differently, Joe. <laughs> I am also going to go with the visual novel. You are both correct. This yes. is a game developed by Kyle Seeley and released in 2015. I just want to give right credit for that. I never oh, heard absolutely. of it. I was just uh, looking for an obscure video game to try and mix up what kind of media we were. It was it was too cool not to pick the I, I picked it because of my awareness of like visual novels or or I think there's something called light novels, which is like a genre in, in Japan. Pretty significantly. <laughs> it's manga adjacent. Okay. Um, and huh. some some anime are based off of light novels, which is, yeah, it, it's you know it's a narrative video game, which is really just it's um it's just the talking to people parts of video games. Like okay. you mm -hmm. don't have like action in games. You have what kind of response do you provide to this person based on what they have been saying to you? Everyone's least favorite part of the Zelda franchise. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Ben, what is your next piece of media? <clears throat> All right, this one, all right, you guys might have heard this one. Title might give it away. It's called Episode Two. <laughs> <laughs> it's from 1980. <laughs> all right, <clears throat> here we go. All right, really pay attention. Me and Kay open a hot dog stand and perform their song, Love Countdown. Jamie Farr stops by an address to join the group. 
Jeff gives a speech about the Summer Olympics. B. Arthur sings Gloria Gaynor's hit, I Will Survive. The girls visit Shea Stadium. And me and Kay close the show by singing Anita Ward's Ring My Bell. Or me and Kay present Jeff with a special robe. Larry Hagman has a chat. Sid Caesar makes his first appearance as me and Kay's father. And he also dons tights for a ballet skit. Donny Osmond sings with the girls. There's a tribute to New York. And Jeff finds an unexpected trio of guests in the hot tub. That Jeff's not the same Jeff from earlier, is it? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a mannequin Jeff, right? <laughs> crossover. I, oh, this, yeah, you got me. This was the crossover episode. <laughs> That's why I said you might have heard of this one. Um, I say, who's uh, Andrew, you get to pick first. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm, I'm going with the first one. Oh, I, you make it really hard, put, Ben. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I know, Ben. <laughs> this is I my don't know what to do with these. Like, for for all we is, know, what one of these is episode three. <laughs> exactly. One of these is like, you might have done episode two. It's like, but I also just gave the description for episode three. <laughs> this is how uh, I win the game. <laughs> um, I, Andrew, which one did you pick? I picked the first one. I'm going to go opposite. I'll take the second. <laughs> it is the second one. Dang it. Nice. So uh, this is a show called Pink Lady. We're also Pink Lady and Jeff. Uh, they were a <laughs> Japanese pop duo who uh, were hired to do a, a sketch show in the U.S. And the premise was that uh, they would have no problem doing this because they thought that they spoke English and they did not. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but it was a real group. And it lasted. I and and they really season. signed the contract not speaking oh, English. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and all it sounds kinds of, illegal. All kinds of people, uh, as you heard from the second one, were on the show, like all kinds of stars from the 70s and 80s. Oh, yeah. I mean, there, there were so many of those sketch shows on network television. I believe... at the time. I've never heard of this one. This is amazing. I'm so glad you, you did this. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, uh, Andrew, your, I your final, also, I or the done fi- that all final day. pick for round four. I could have done that all day because it was just taking pop culture references from like around 1980 and putting them in there. <laughs> yeah, just just plugging in people. It would have oh, been Arthur. Here we go. Jamie Farr. <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay. That one tickled me very much. Thank you, Ben. Mm-hmm. Are, are you both ready for... And this one also has some punctuation. Oh, no. <laughs> Secret Service, period. Old and young King Brady, comma, detectives, period. Boom, loud. <laughs> Secret Service, old and young King Brady, detectives. Okay. Uh, tell me tell me about this thing. <laughs> well, I, I suspect that you've just revealed your answer to this opening question. Who has not heard of old King Brady, <laughs> the celebrated detective who has unraveled more mysteries than any sleuth ever, ever heard of? In the stories to be published in Secret Service, he will be assisted by a young man known as Young King Brady, whose only aim in life is to exceed old King Brady in working up dangerous cases and running the criminals to earth. How well, how, how well he does so 
will be fully explained in the following stories published in Secret Service. Every time Secret okay. Service appears in that, that's it's all caps, by the way. Right. Not Which, not not in the overall title, but in that description. It's Secret Service. Oh, yeah. They're yelling it. In addition. So here's the alternative. In addition to being an expert detective, King Brady is oh, a time no. traveler. <laughs> After finding no Watson to his homes, he was left with no other choice but to bring his younger self from the past into his present to act as his partner. <laughs> Victims of all classes and times are eager to seek out the help of old and young King Brady. It's not, I'm taking that one. I want that one. I don't care. There's no logic. You just, I'm just, I'm obsessed with that description. Uh, I want, I want the second one. I want that one too, but I'm going with the first one. <laughs> I wrote the second one. Yes. <laughs> And the first one is the description of a dime novel magazine series um, that ran for like 15 years and at the beginning of the 1900s. Okay, I was poking around it was, dime novels and it, magazines. Half of, it, half of it was was like reprints. But yes, <laughs> old King Brady and young King Brady. And I can I say I actually do love the mystery of a younger man is like, just call me young your name. Yeah. And like he's somehow mysterious and like what's your goal i'm going to be here when you're gone wow that is bold and i will say the reason it probably couldn't have been the second one beside the fact that you wrote it is that it's too good of a story for us not to know about it <laughs> yeah yeah Andrew, I, I think that's our best made up one so far yeah oh i i was this is not my favorite made up one i, I like i like this one i was like okay this is kind of fun like he he can't find someone to be his Watson, so he gets himself. <laughs> Just the, the the pride and arrogance of your main character, but, which means also, he's going to be and, so and, angry at himself nonstop. Well, They're just going to be pettily thinking they're the each the best version of themselves. Think about it. Though, yeah, because... he's senile. I'm young and, and vibrant. Oh, he's inexperienced. I know everything now. But depending on how they're making time travel happen, either... The older guy gets exponentially smarter because the younger one's learning more and they have that connection <laughs> or the younger one will become even smarter than the older one. And does he repeat the process and get the younger one to then be his Watson? Oh, man. I, well, and, and now it's like, OK, it needs to get really absurd. So at some point there's like a de-aging. Mm -hmm. And so the older one becomes physically younger. Oh, this is this is good. Like, no, he's old King Brady. I'm still young king brady <laughs> oh andrew that that like was this. a delight I like this. Uh, th this was a great round both for learning about the <laughs> trivia of the japanese uh pop <laughs> duo that <laughs> had an american variety show and <laughs> also andrew's made up plot here all right heading into the final <clears throat> round uh ben the race for second place is very much alive uh, all right seven to seven it's so and tight andrew has ten <clears throat> okay which it's not impossible for us to catch Andrew here. You know, no, it's, we it's, could, it's, if, uh, I know he records this, but if we cut his mic, we yeah. could really, <laughs> really makes a difference. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The next story that I final story that I have for you is the animals are missing. The animals are missing. Yes. Was this an episode of a short-lived cartoon series from Filmation Studios called Lassie's Rescue Rangers, 
Lassie, the famous Collie, is owned by the Turner family, who are part of the Forest Force, which looks after people visiting Thunder Mountain National Park. To help the Forest Force, Lassie has formed the Rescue Rangers, including Groucho the Owl, Musty the Skunk, Robbie the Raccoon, and Toothless the Mountain Lion. In this episode, the Rescue Rangers are kidnapped by drug runners and tasked with recovering $2 million worth of heroin from inside a geyser that may go off at any moment. (laughs) Or... Was this an episode of the short-lived cartoon series from Filmation Studios called Tarzan, Lord of the Galactic Jungle? This very loose sci-fi adaptation of Edgar Rice Burroughs' novel saw Tarzan as the sole survivor of a rocket ship's crash landing on the planet Ofrika, where he is raised by a clan of primate-like animals called Ogami. In this episode... Tarzan is returning to his home, uh, is returning to Ofrika after saving the day on a nearby moon. But when he lands, his animal helpers have all disappeared. Where is Isis, the flying monkey, or Maku Maku, the space hippo? When he returns to uh, his home base, Farinda, the Ogami who raised him, is nowhere to be found. After putting together clues and searching the planet, Tarzan discovers that his friends are throwing him a crash day party, celebrating the day his rocket ship first crashed onto their planet. The fact that this would also be the day his parents died is not acknowledged in this cartoon. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. <clears throat> All right. So regardless if it's a trap or not, Joe has me wanting this to be the origin story of Chippendale's Rescue Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm going with the first one. I will Lassie's be going with the second Ranger. one. Space Tarzan for me. <clears throat> Ben gets the point. Yes! Oh, <laughs> it really man. was a children's episode where I read this summary online where it said, uh, this was a very short-lived adaptation of, of Lassie. Uh, the animals all speak in pantomime. There's no like words from these animals, and there's a plenty of scenes of them because I went and watched this episode because it said <laughs> in, in this episode, they the children have to recover $2 million worth of heroin. I'm like, there's yes. no way they were talking when, about heroin in a children's cartoon in, in the 1960s. And in I went the and watched 60s? it. It's it straight up they do. Yep. <laughs> they, oh, my gosh. Oh, I wrote down a line of dialogue from this. Uh, one of the bad guys says, use your brains, Manny. You think those animals are going to climb down inside a geyser and rescue 10 bags of heroin just because we tell them to? The only person to make them do it is one of those rescue ranger kids. So they have to go kidnap a kid to tell the animals oh. to go into the geyser. That's the plot. <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> now, Filmation right. did do a Tarzan adaptation but it is considered to be one of the most faithful adaptations of Edgar Rice Burroughs novels. They did not sci-fi it up. Mm. Oh, and we just man. closed the lead on Andrew with that one. I know. Uh, only really disappointed about how that turned out. <laughs> this was right. when I found this one and it was like, there's <laughs> heroin in a children's show. What in the world? The whole I'm, episode's on, uh, on YouTube, everyone. You can go watch it. I'm still loving the fact that for me, it was because I wanted to be the origin of the rescue Rangers and totally ignore that there was a heroin mountain. <laughs> Okay, so I guarantee that Joe has heard of this one. Well, that's not the point. I I don't love this. (laughs) I I wrote it beforehand. Can't help it. This one is called Mike's Day with Buttons. It's from 1972. It's been a month since the Reynolds family got buttons. Mike is still unsure he wants to keep buttons, the chimp. So the family recommends... He get to know the chimp a little better by spending a day with him alone. When he brings him to his dentist office, he frightens a new patient, but Mike and Buttons become friends. The second one. 
Stressed from the pressure of his new advertising job, Mike Reynolds calls in sick to read his favorite book. But Buttons the Chimp has other ideas, leading Mike on a frantic game of hide-and-seek across town. Mike attempts to find Buttons while avoiding being spotted by co-workers. After finding Buttons at the banana display at the grocery mart, he and Buttons return home, where Mike and Buttons fall asleep mid-book. I assume, okay, See, I'm I'm reinterpreting that one. They didn't fall asleep in the middle of this book. <laughs> they fell asleep in the middle of reading a book inside this book. <laughs> I had to, I had to like reestablish my context for that. <laughs> I was like, okay, but like, did they just sleep for four more pages? Like what is going on? <laughs> it's very, it's a very meta text if that's the case. Oh, I like this. <laughs> Just four pages of, of repeated drawings of a chimp and a human <laughs> sleeping. Oh, man. I. Ugh. So much was writing Andrew, on this. Here's the stage. Zero dollars at stake. And uh, if you pick. But no, no, I understand one. the stakes. I, under, I understand the stakes. <laughs> and, and I picked the right one. We're only one point away from you. I know. We could end in a three-way tie. It's not impossible at this moment. In about 10 um, seconds, it probably will be impossible. It, <laughs> oh, man. Okay. 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 Um, this is a vote for the second one. Okay. No matter what, I got to go the opposite of Andrew. I'm going with number one. <laughs> Joe is correct. No. Oh, no. Point away. No. We're tied. Nine to nine. The to only when you mentioned me and the chimp earlier, it's like, well, I got to save that one for last. Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you start talking, like, oh, it's just one of the episodes of the TV shows I talked about in the nineteen seventies. <laughs> okay, here's here's the thing. I've got to really, I've got to really build up some conflict between the two of you, <laughs> because because if you guys go together, I will either win. Or we will all tie. But if one of you does something different, you have a chance at beating the other one. This is like the Stanford prisoners. (laughs) This is, yeah. (laughs) It's, it's, uh, it's like the, uh, what's the, oh, what's the, it's, it's like carrot in a box, Joseph. You know, you get, or no, not, not like that. It's the, um, you know, like you have to agree to share the money or, or um, if one of you tries to, what's, what's that one called? It's the. Uh, it's not the. Know. Same I know what you mean. It's, though. Uh, they did it on Survivor. The. Uh, yeah. It's, at the start of season forty-one. Oh, what's it called? But it's, it's yeah. It's the uh, agreement. Either you both share, or yeah. if yeah, one of I, you, I, yeah, decides to to not share. Emily, who is not a, a figment of uh, some video game that I played, <laughs> would definitely know this off the top of her head with her PhD in psychology. Yeah, it's not. It's not like it's not the prisoner dilemma. Is, is, it? is it the prisoner's dilemma? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I say in the Stanford. Oh, it is prisoner. This would be I the, say the Stanford dilemma. prisoner experiment. But that's, yeah, that's a little dilemma. different. Totally different thing. Yeah. But I think I meant the other. Also, one. psychology. Yeah, uh, questionable ethics. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> the tracer of lost persons. Okay. <laughs> the tracer of lost persons. This episodic novel tells of the adventures of Restral Keen a master of finding people back when there was no internet. 
It's full of quaint details about how people lived 100 years ago, back when much of commerce and the law involved finding the actual persons involved. Back when you could rob a bank in one state and have a reasonable chance of hiding out in another. But don't let Westrel Keen get onto your trail. Or, winner of the 1942 Academy Award for Documentary Short Film, The Tracer of Lost Persons highlights the work of Philo F. Stanfield, one of the most prolific artists who dedicated their craft to depicting the images of missing persons for flyer distribution before photography became commonplace. Similar to the work of a modern police sketch artist, Philo and other tracers would render an image of a missing person based on the descriptions provided by their loved ones. Over 65 people were found thanks to Philo's drawings. Oh, um, now the, the nice thing is that I get to pick first. So Ben gets to make the call of, yep. are we yep. going he's, for the win? the prisoner or in the, the three way tie, also, or is he I've splitting been, it? I've been an agent yeah. of chaos. <laughs> but but it also depends on which one does he think is real and yeah. how confident yeah. is yeah. he? I have my pick locked in. Ben, do you do you know which one you're likely to go with? Oh, I'm I'm still deciding after I hear yours. Okay, I'm gonna go with the. <laughs> oh no, mm. <laughs> <laughs> there's no obvious one on this. Well done, Andrew. You you've definitely mm-hmm. left us with a quandary. I'm gonna go with oh, with it. Oh. See, the documentary description absolutely sounds like what you'd find on, like, a real crime, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. miniseries on a streamer right now. Like, oh, look yeah. at this person back. But would it have been what they did for a documentary? <sighs> I guess I'm going to go with the documentary. I can't stop thinking about that one. I was leaning the first one. But I really want us all to win that zero dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We can split it three ways. Yeah, yep. We can't divide by zero though. So speak for see. yourself, Andrew. <laughs> I would agree to split it three ways. <laughs> you know what? You know what? We'll Andrew, go through I'll... a whole prisoner's dilemma to see how it breaks out. <laughs> Andrew, I'll give you my share of zero. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with the second one because I want this to be the ending where we all tie. This is the ending. Where you win. Where I win outright. <laughs> oh, no! no three points. By three, three points. points. Yo, no I matter wrote, what you picked, I was going with it. I wrote oh. the description of the documentary. Oh, well, well done. It was a convincing. Well the, I, I came across the Tracer of Lost Persons because it was turned into a radio show. <laughs> <laughs> you were all it's like, it's a radio show. show based off this novel. Wait, was like, was well, from? I can't do the radio show. I've got to like, let me go back to this novel. Wait, they, but the the summary actually says in a time before the internet. It okay. It was like a blurb that some okay, I, like 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 maybe a blogger wrote this. I okay. don't think it was like a, a publisher's blurb. Gotcha. Right, because that would be amazing. Secret <laughs> Service, uh, old and young King Brady. That was a publisher's blurb. <laughs> oh wow! By the uh, way, well, uh, in in Secret Andrew. Service, old and young King Brady, they predominantly deal with like opium runners in the 1900s. <laughs> yeah, there, I bet there's some some real a lot of like Chinatown, yeah, references. <laughs> the the opium uh-huh. queen of of Chinatown, stuff like that. Oh man, that was ben, see, that was that was some good stress. <laughs> thank you for uh, for joining us for a oh, absolutely thank you stakes game. 
of truth or lie. <laughs> and Andrew, oh. congratulations on on your win. Uh, of truth or lie. And, and I think, um, uh, all of the things that I wrote for sure are uh, ready for optioning. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the pompous man who teams up with his younger version of himself. Uh, so that, I think you, there, there's a seed there that's worth exploring. Don't forget uh, that one. Most, most of mine are not open for optioning because they were just alternate versions of that show. <laughs> <laughs> like, these have you, actually you know, already been made. So. <laughs> Listeners, thank you for joining us. That's going to wrap up this episode. For show notes and links to all of the other great Dueling Genre shows, you can go to DuelingGenre.com. Also, please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in your podcast app of choice, and please leave us a review. That really helps us out. We'd like to thank Scott Tofty, who composed our theme music. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story. So All right. Well, uh, listeners, thank you for joining us. Um, Let me find the outro and the script.